fact that you are on a visa, especially in the world outside, makes a lot of difference. I mean, it's a tougher task for you to make it out there. The odds are kind of like stacked against us, I think, as international students. But you just got to make it work. I mean, there's like no other option. And I think I have just been avoiding people partly because I just don't want to confront those expectations again. We, we have the privilege at least of getting an excellent education and going on from there. Right now, sometimes it feels like if I'm not wearing mask, I feel different. <laughs> wearing mask feels like second nature. Like the first few months at least were the best time of my life, I think, because I was disconnected from the world. I was so connected to myself and I was doing things I'd never done in my life and I could never imagine doing in my life. Like I was gardening, I was growing my own plants. But for me as a young person, I felt like this this came at a time that I needed to step back from work and studying and kind of focus on myself and feeling better and it, so far it's it's got it's gone well. Hello everybody and welcome to our conversation with Abu Chaudhry from India, Karim Sara from Palestine and Saujun Kafli from Nepal. This conversation was recorded on September 20th, 2020. During our conversation, our three guests shared their processes of withdrawing from the lives they formed in college and the time it takes to create the comfort of space and friendships when moving to a new place, the blight and blessings of lockdown, insights into a worldwide conservative leadership, and the current information wars and their effects. We hope you enjoy the episode. like this is an international conversation um the the concept of home and being away from home and creating home in different places like always comes up in different ways so I wanted to ask kind of how I mean for me like I I'm too right now in in the U.S. so I'm not I'm not at home in Germany and I, I think like at times not just now but in general, like when there's a lot going on, either globally or like personally or nationally or in something, that's like the time when I struggle the most with being away from my home country um, or being away from family too. And so given like, you know, there's a lot has happened this year globally and in the U.S. and in, I mean in Germany too and so I'm just I'm wondering like how each of you are kind of handling this distance right now like you're all I mean you're not all in the U.S. but you're all not in your home country and also if 
if if if you have how have you made yourself at home after college and right now wherever you are yeah um this is always a difficult question for me i left my home when i was yeah. 15 so i kind of got used to it at this point and i to be honest one of the best trainings on like feeling uprooted all the time is having to change dorms after every year at Erlang, that was always like, just like packing and like putting everything that you put in your room and just in a bag and throwing it in a random storage room on campus and then just finding it again and trying to set up a new home for the next semester was always like mm -hmm. difficult, but I think it prepares you for what's gonna come later on as an interna international. So I think I speak for all of us that as soon as we graduated from Erlem, we, we all had to change a, a home on a bigger scale this time and not just in terms of country or something, but also the people that surround us. So I've changed my focus from a physical location or an apartment to the people that you build around you, to the network that you uh, grow around you. Um, so in Germany, I, I struggled in the beginning. They, they speak a different language, obviously, which is different from what so many Americans have told me. They're like, oh, it's exactly like the US. You won't feel a difference. And then I get here and I'm like, what were these people talking about? Did they just come and go to a techno club and think, they, okay, this is similar to the techno club in New York. Like, I, I don't know what they were thinking when they told me this, um, but it, it's so different. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Currently, I don't feel like I've built a home in the new city that I moved to because I moved to it in the middle of August where there's still um, Corona measures, especially in the state that I moved to. Nordrhein-Westfalen, uh, I forgot how you say it in English, but um, yeah, there it's the most strict in Germany because they have the highest cases, the, high, the highest number of cases. So the police even go on public transportation and uh, find people if they're not wearing a mask or if they're doing what you see so much here maybe you see it in Germany in the US too where they just wear the mask uh, up to your like mouth mm -hmm. and don't cover your nose which is kind of ridiculous but yeah but uh, yeah it's it's difficult to start a home in a in a city that I just moved to but the first thing that I did is to make sure that I don't live alone I got an apartment with um, two internationals one from Holland and one from uh, Iran and the girl from Iran doesn't speak any English so I'm practicing my German. <laughs> uh, it's kind of intimidating <laughs> but at the same time it's, uh, it's good to practice. Um, I've been kind of just finding comfort zones here in Leipzig just to speak in English. So yeah, like I said, it's, it's just trying to, to get to know as many people that you like as possible as many people that you care about as possible and uh, yeah, then feeling comfortable in the area that you're in and also staying in contact with friends all over the world. Mm -hmm. And actually I have a side note, like uh, we have a, like I have a friend uh, group chat for, from Erlen. <laughs> Um, but it has like 11 or 12 people, Saojin's in, in this group chat and we've, we like text every single day since we left Erlam and we did text every single day when we were at Erlam as well. 
but uh, it's 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 funny. Like one of us even said that over like after graduation that this group is dead. Like we're not gonna chat anymore. I guess he was like hopeless at that point, but we still chat till this day every day and have arguments <laughs> and debates. And it's it's like we're still at Erlum in that yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Like Kareem said as well, like I've gotten used to the fact of like living outside my country. So like I went to a boarding school when I was like 10 years old. And then although it was in my home country, I've always been like kind of away from the family. But then we, I used to get to visit like every a weekend, every month. But still, it was a start. And then I think it's been six six years I've been in the U.S., which is like now it's a big gap it's not like in the same country right it's like across continents but i mean it's about being comfortable and finding home where you are and then like just uh especially after Erlum, Erlum was home for four years so it was kind of relaxed i mean moving dorms wasn't too much of a too much of a hassle right but like moving across states coming from indiana to like mass massachusetts was quite a big move because you're like away from most of your friends because like everyone is like centered around the Midwest. Like there's not a lot of people, especially when I started out in this, like in the state. So it was, it took some getting used to, but then like, as you, as you like find new friends here and like stuff to do, keep yourself busy, you kind of get used to it. And, and just the fact that, you know, I've had kind of like probably training from, very young when I was like away from home just to like make myself comfortable with new people and new place that definitely helps so but this year is especially a little tougher than previous years although like I've said I'm, I'm kind of used to being away from home just because of the situation like you still want to be back home where your parents are just because of these like, you know health concerns and everything that's happening here as well so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's still a lot of figuring out, like, how I can make myself, you know, comfortable at a place that's not my home. And then, especially when situations don't go as planned. So, yeah, it's, it, but then I've always, like, like, the fact of, like, I like moving places. I'm very comfortable with, like, trying to explore places and go to different places. So, personally it's not a big deal at least for now because it's just me myself I don't have a lot of stuff that I have to carry with myself so it's easier to move now than ever so th that's how I look at it like this is probably the time where I'll get it'll be easiest for me to like move places and go to different states and like explore but at the same time like this year is kind of a little different compared to others like where you're like oh this is probably the year where I kind of have felt that oh I really want to be back home than any previous years. I think I feel similarly. Uh, I think the most home I felt was at Erlum because the community was so small and everyone you wanted to hang out with or interact with or be with was always there. Uh, I think I've, it was even more home in some sense than India because there was a certain expressive freedom that I had which I didn't have at home. I mean there's a whole different 
uh, representation or presentation of yourself in different places. And I think at Earlham there was a certain authenticity that I could carry myself with. Uh, I think coming to Miami has not felt like coming home or it even feels this place feels barren enough to not even be accommodating of a new home so I can't it doesn't even feel like I can make a new home here so the this this time here I think is just gonna be <laughs> struggling and struggling <laughs> and struggling uh, but yeah I I really miss Erlem, but I have also been in this weird phase of just disconnecting from everything. And again, I think the ever since COVID started and the dislocation began, things have gone south for me, uh, like very south, very fast. And so, the, yeah, I've just cut myself off from the world. I deleted Facebook. Yes, yeah, it's kind of strange and I wish I was back at Earlham still, but yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. I I don't know what home is like, but yeah. It sounds like all of us have uh, yeah. Earlham withdrawal effects. Syndrome. <laughs> Maybe for you too. I mean, you also left yeah. Earlham recently. Yep. Mm. Yeah, I remember getting a phone call, yeah. and I can't, Sydney called, and it was a few months, several months after graduation, and she had sent me a text, she says, I need to talk, and it was the first time I'd heard from her since graduation, and I'm thinking, oh dear, and I thought she needed a, ref a reference, okay, so cool, we'll do that, I do that a lot, but we set a time to talk, and the first thing out of her mouth was, I don't want to be an adult anymore. I'm done. This is not, I want to go back. I want to, because at one o'clock in the morning, I can have a conversation with someone down the hall. I can go and do, so she was struggling with what you're saying, Abe, is, and what all of you are so much more adept at being able to do is making home, but it's relational. It's something that you have, you're, you've got, you're going to graduate school or you have a job or whatever, but you make a home based on relationships and you carry home with you based on relationships and not specific to a place. So I find that remarkable with international students because I'm in transition of looking for a new place to live and I'm looking at it just a place where all of you, you make home wherever you are based on the relationships you carry with you and the ones that you develop. And without those, what you're saying, Abe, it doesn't feel like home. And the pandemic probably doesn't help that, but it's the relationships you carry with you. So pick those back up again, unpack them out of that suitcase you put away and get them back out again, the relationships you had, then that will probably help you. So we're going to, we'll do, we're, when the interview's over, we're gonna set a time, I'll go to Titera, I'll put it in an ice chest so it'll stay warm and we'll meet somewhere outside because you're very close. I think the only problem there is that the reason I, 
part of the reason why I can reconnect so fast is because I'm still when I came to during that transition period I think what happened was I felt like I had failed everyone by not being on top of everything not being at a better place not pulling through on my part of their expectations of me and I think I have just been avoiding people partly because I just don't want to confront those expectations again. I don't want people to look weird at me because I'm not somewhere better or somewhere where they wanted me to be or somewhere where they expected me to be. And it's just very complicated, but that's just my own emotional baggage. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right about like how social media like pushes, uh, pushes like, or makes us more likely to compare ourselves to others. And um, you're right that maybe deactivating helps in being grounded in the now and the present and getting out of the comfort zone. We all had to get out of our comfort zone at Erlam when we arrived. I'm going to say it, like the first year at Erlam wasn't the, the finest year of all the years there. And it was uh, challenging as well there. Like uh, Erlam wasn't this um, like heaven or utopia that we reached and that's it. The first year was challenging and you meet people from so many uh, countries and cultures and you're being confronted about your own values and beliefs there in the first year and the second year. But like any new place, it just it just takes time. I, I literally like came to a place where, yeah, they're speaking a language and I didn't even know how to say goodbye, by the way, in German. Like not even like a like not even thank you, which is which I feel like most Americans know. Oh, danke, danke. But I, I didn't even know that. Like and uh, yeah, so it, it just it just takes time. Like, like Lynn was saying, you just have to like push yourself and uh, and uh, I don't know yeah no I mean it's probably the same as well for me like the first year I left Erlem it was kind of hard I deactivated Facebook as well like I just wanted to start fresh you know like now this is my home I mean you know this is where I'm gonna start and now like two years down the line I reactivated Facebook if that's good news to you so you know like you just need to settle and then it'll all be like, you know, take time. For sure. I mean, I think like it's, you know, for me too, I, th these conversations are, all, I mean, are both like, I kind of, it's like mixed at times, you know, I, I really love these conversations and like connecting with Erlen people. And it's always, I mean, even like, a lot of the times I don't actually know the alumni or not a lot like half the time maybe I don't even know the alumni and still it's like you feel connected because there is something special about Erlen like everybody has said and like you know we did it is like very family-like and like at times you know after these conversations I'm like it's just it's it feels so strange that it's like over <laughs> like <laughs> that it you know that that's not really like that we don't live in that anymore and at the same time for sure it's true that like Erlen wasn't always perfect I mean my first year wasn't 
not great whatsoever and like we it took time and like that's the thing I think about you know what we've what everybody said of like building home is about the relationships and not the place which is takes time I mean creating relationships takes time that's the reality and finding the right people and like getting settled and find you know finding your space with with new people and building new relationships obviously takes time and like I think for sure I mean what you said Abe like I feel like most people I've spoken to that like have like the first year after graduation is like always kind of rough in different ways I mean it might not look rough to the outside but there's like everybody goes through the same emotions I feel like it's always like a struggle to some extent so I think yeah we've all gone we've all been there are there or yeah (laughs) do you think the fact also to all of you the fact that you're internationals if you were a domestic student you graduate you take your time you know if you can live with your parents or friends or crash or get a little job here or there there's there's pressure but it's not the same pressure you all have to deal with because you've got to also on top of that You've got visas to deal with and and all the restrictions that the U.S. has been placing and then the pandemic. So uh, do you see that there is a difference in being an international, that there is a level of stress and more things to deal with because you're an international and making quick decisions and having that kind of as a, a cloud, not maybe a cloud, but something hanging over you always is part of your decision of what you're doing next. I see you all shaking your heads. <laughs> yeah, no, most definitely. Most definitely, like, I mean, there is, you You just have to get straight back up after graduation. Like, you know, it would probably help, especially, like, uh, for Obey's case, right? It could have been helpful, like, if you took a couple of months off and then, like, okay, this is where I want to go and then think about his options. So like, I mean, as, uh, as a student, as someone on a student visa, you have like, I think 90 days of, especially like if you decide to work after you have 90 days of unemployment. So it's like, you basically get three months to like find a job if you want to stay in the country and then like keep that status. And then you, and there's no option to be between jobs as well. Like, especially at the time of the pandemic, like when you're thinking about job security and stuff, like there's that anxiety that comes in though. What if I lose a job tomorrow? And then like my visa status isn't, you know, is in risk as well. So there's definitely a difference. And then I realized that more so after I graduated from Ireland, like the fact that you are on a visa, especially in the world outside makes a lot of difference. I mean, it's a tougher task for you to make it out there. The odds are kind of like stacked against us, I think, as international students, but you just got to make it work. I, I mean, there's like no other option kind of like, but yeah, it would definitely be helpful. Like if you got like a few time to like, you know, sit down, graduate from school and then think about, okay, where I want to go. Do I want to go, you know, to a grad school or, you know, pursue something different. So yeah, I've definitely felt it a lot more after I've graduated from Ireland. The fact, the restrictions on an international student. Yeah, and even if you are on OPD, then whatever you do after college has to be directly related to your major. 
like what if i what if i don't want to do chemistry or math yeah, anymore exactly. <laughs> exactly so it kind of like it just it's like adds extra pressure on you like when you think about it like whatever choices you make in college you're stuck with it like yeah i was stupid and i it's just <laughs> Why hold me for the rest of my life for the stupid choices I made as an undergrad? Yeah, exactly. So like and now how I think of it, maybe like if I wanted to do something beyond the field of chemistry, like now I've spent like two two or two or three years already working towards like a position in chemistry or a pharmaceutical industry. It would not be wise for me to like choose an entirely new path because I have to start from scratch in a country where there's so many restrictions. So you're like this is what's set for me i guess but yeah that that's where the difference between like domestic and international students does come into play um yeah i mean at, at the same time like i i opt was very stressful and stuff i i applied for it and i got it like in august but by that time i was like no i'm not even go- i was applying to jobs but i wasn't applying seriously and it's pretty difficult to get a job with a bachelor's degree in psychology. Maybe it's the same for math or chemistry or the other fields. But um, I, I also had the, like, the privilege because of my family's support. We, are all, we all come from different uh, economic backgrounds. But to some degree, if you could make it to the United States and live there and, and study at a private institution, you do, you do come from... A, uh, a privileged background relatively speaking so I did spend three months on campus after I graduated doing nothing <laughs> literally like dog sitting like which is the, the easiest job in the world well it wasn't the easiest job in the world for me because I'm afraid of dogs and I have to pretend like I'm not afraid of dogs but I, I also did like stay on campus for a while and I enjoyed that one last touch that I had with campus for for a little bit and then uh, I felt the pressure that Saujan was talking about here in Germany when I graduated from my master's program and here it's a bit easier with uh, migration policies but it's similar that you have to um, to get a job or a position that meets the program that you studied in right that they they want to make sure that studying isn't a way for internationals to just come into a country and uh, work a random job later. They wanna make sure that the working class that's staying is, is uh, skilled. And it, it can be challenging. Um, and because of the time limitation, it's also very, very, very stressful. Um, but I think uh, if you look on average at Earlham graduates, they probably are successful in finding a job after some time because we did get an excellent education. And I think, although we didn't get real experience at Earlham, like we are not able to network with a, a research institute that's nearby or a hospital or wherever you wanna work, it's harder to to present yourself as maybe someone who studied in a city university, but you did get an excellent education. We, we all have uh, good skills to present for jobs. It just takes time, I guess. And yeah, with the, with the visa, it's always annoying. And it almost feels, I mean, it is unfair, 
because we should be treated as American citizens. But at the same time, um, we, we have the privilege at least of getting an excellent education and going on from there. Thank you all. So I think, you know, like staying, staying on this like immigration track, maybe, um, you know, I think like this, these past few months have like been kind of bizarre as an immigrant in the US. And I, I either, you know, like statements by our president being by the president being made like bizarre statements <laughs> or even policies and like changing policies, both for student visas, as well as the work visas, as well as uh, I think, yeah, other, you know, I mean, I think everyone was affected. And in one past conversations, we talked about, you know, like we are as, as kind of a student, you always kind of felt safe. Like if like having a student visa was like, the safest way to immigrate almost it's like that wasn't really ever ever questioned before and like even that was questioned now and that was affected and you know I think I mean being an immigrant is always hard it's always brings so many challenges I'm sure in Germany there's I I mean I know that it's not easy in Germany either and so I'm wondering like how how this has affected you um, specifically recently and also if it's at all affected you maybe in like how you're thinking about the future in terms of location or like how to build on what you have or anything like that yeah I mean the president like is an idiot there's no other way of saying it international students create so much money for the u.s economy and in other economies as well like the uk economy they create billions of dollars every year to the u.s economy so this idea is just pandering to uh white supremacist identity politics that is like <laughs> always against immigration unless it's from uh, Sweden or Norway or I don't know Germany and and I think that's why like when a lot of people from Erlem say they're not for Biden either because he's a conservative or he's been accused of sexual assault as well I think a lot of people forget that at least the minimum we're gonna get is that he's not gonna be questioning international students as a way or studying in the US as a war, uh, as a way of migrating to the US and at least ICE won't be like uh, Gestapo uh, f uh, police during Nazi Germany um, in, in the U.S. They won't act in a way where they literally go, go and grab um, undocumented immigrants who have committed no crimes in the U.S. Um, and just put them in cages, basically. And there's been many deaths that are documented and now... I think there is a, a whistleblower, maybe someone knows more about this than me, but where they've been, um, what was it again? Can someone help me here? Yeah, they've been performing hysterectomies. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, they're, exactly. They're operating on women to, to lower their birth rate in the U.S. It's, it's, it's just pandering to white nationalists and it's, it's scary to see like the more I spent time in Germany the more I've been understanding of their Nazi history and it's 
it's similar and it's it's frightening that people are not reacting you know like what what do they want what what are what are people waiting for to say this is this is it this is the limit that i'm gonna go and i this is the scary part for me like but at the same time the neo-nazis are rising all over the world it's not in the united states it's also in germany uh maybe annika you heard about this how there was a um a, a protest in berlin And um, most of the protests that are against corona measures are kind of random, right? There's, so there's some leftists, there's some progressives, there's some spiritual people who have an anti-science attitude for some reason. I don't know what it is and I don't really want to know. But there's also a huge right-wing presence that's organized. And during the Berlin protest, uh, they went to the Bundestag in Berlin, near the, what's it called, the Brandenburger Gate. And um, they basically stormed the top, of, like, to the entrance of the building, and they're calling for the Reich to come back, the German, like, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's crazy, like, what, what do we need to see to understand the real threat that the world is uh, Go, like going into now I don't, I don't i don't get it yeah there has been a major rightward shift and conservative shift all across the world and all the major political leaders and countries are super conservative right now and it's happening everywhere and it's very frightening yeah so zon you have anything to add I mean, in terms of my, I, I, I can speak with my future plans, like, especially given the time, like, uncertainty surrounding immigration and stuff, like, I've started exploring options outside the U.S. Maybe, like, two or three years ago, I wouldn't have thought of it. But right now, I'm, like, you know, slowly exploring options outside of the U.S. to see, like, okay, if, you know, like, maybe I don't want to deal with this uncertainty no more, like, you know, the if I can make myself better and more at less stressed I am somewhere else, it's better for me. So, you know, but I haven't had like a solid plan to see like where I want to go, but it's just about that thinking at the back of your mind, right? You know, it's like there might be better things out there. It's like some, some things are probably not worth the stress uh, that surrounds like things that aren't under your control that should be, you know, that should be done right, but are not, so. So yeah, definitely future aspirations have taken a slight shift, especially the last last year, I would say. Yeah, I think it's happening for me too. I've been <clears throat> looking at options to explore job opportunities or college options after after this outside the US. Yeah, I had a lot of fun in Europe and I think there's some good places, but again, with the rise, I mean, the the threat of the difference between you and the people of this place is going to be the same no matter where I go, anywhere outside India. Uh, yeah, but I think that's relatively minor compared to uh, what... I mean, it is relatively minor, period, yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully, it's, no one's actively going to try to, you know, fight. 
When we look at the pandemic, and that's something that's hit internationally, is there anything that you can speak to that you see as a positive that has occurred with this pandemic? Um, I definitely feel fortunate, actually, uh, when it comes to this. And I've talked to a lot of people in my age that felt like this pandemic, ironically, is a blessing. I, I know it's hard to believe, but it, obviously I'm talking in a very specific sense and how it affected the, like, our lives. But um, one thing I can think of is how I had the time then to go at my own pace. I re- Like at that time, at the 31st of March, my contract at, a, at my previous job ran out. And because of the pandemic, I felt like I have time now to just sit back because I know jobs are limited now and stuff to sit back and kind of re-energize myself um, because I'm still a young adult. I haven't really started out a career that's just going to collapse because of a pandemic. Um, but unfortunately, that ha- does happen to a lot of people who have bars or restaurants or uh, self-startups. Uh, um, young entrepreneurs are definitely affected and old ones as well. Um, but I'm in a research field that is still pretty stable during the pandemic. And for me, it was a time to re-energize and go at my own pace. Obviously, you worry about your family and, and older relatives. Um, and it's much more difficult for others. But for me, as a young person, I felt like this this came at a time that I needed to step back from work and studying and kind of focus on myself and feeling better. And it, so far, it's, it's, got, it's gone well. I've, I've been able to work. And now I moved to a new city. But I, because of the pandemic, I'm able to work home. So even my move, I could do it slowly. I'm, I'm back in Leipzig again because I can work from home. So it's, it's been positive in a personal sense. But obviously, from a community sense, it's a very damaging uh, thing. Well, I agree with Kareem. Like, I've been fortunate as well. Like, I know a lot of people who have lost jobs, and I still have a job. And then I still had a job, like, throughout the pandemic. So, in that sense, and just even having a place to, like, isolate yourself, right? I mean, all these small things, like, make you realize how fortunate you are. Although, like, things outside might not be, like, might not be perfect. And uh, it's just about, like, looking at the brighter side of things as well. Like, I mean, I know it sounds very cliche, cliched and stuff. Like, then you realize all the plans you make for, like, you know, for the summer or whatever. It just can can be, like, uncertain based on, like, just one big global event. So, you know, like, just realizing, like, okay, you know, as much planning as you can do, like, it might not always work out. And also, like, on a personal note to, like, the pandemic, especially during the lockdown, I've had the chance to, like, explore my hobbies. And like Kareem said, although keeping a job, like, I could take it easy at home. You know, it wasn't, like, it wasn't that bad. So, like, as much step back as international students we could get, like, I think I was able to get that during those couple of months of lockdown. 
Yeah, I think when the pandemic began and Erlang was still going on, that was a terrible time. Taking classes online and the transition was not smooth. But when the semester ended, I was very thankful to have found a home in Ithaca, New York, at a friend's place from Erlang. And like the first few months, at least, were the best time of my life. I think because it was just. I was disconnected from the world. I was so connected to myself, and I was doing things I'd never done in my life, and I could never imagine doing in my life. Like, I was gardening, I was growing my own plants, and these are things that my father was a farmer. My father started out as a farmer. My grandfather was a farmer, and back home, it's a thing that poor people do, and. being in this position and realizing that in the us it's a privilege it's a privilege position to be able to farm or have i mean garden this was a huge swath of land and you were growing your own tomatoes potatoes cucumbers and everything and my dad would ask me to send him photos of me holding a big shovel and stuff and just just for the heck of it and i do that and it, Yeah, I really connected with. Again, I read a lot, and yeah, again, hobbies or pastimes you just discover. But then, at by the end, and it's also, it also gave me an excuse to. I I can blame the pandemic for a lot of my own shortcomings. Now I I can be like, <laughs> yeah, the reason I'm not at place X is because of the pandemic, not because I didn't do anything to make that happen. Exactly. So that's also convenient. <laughs> Get gets you out of situations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Kind of on a similar note, like you know, we've we've talked a lot about like I th- like with this pandemic. There's. I mean, both. I mean, with what you shared, like we, you know, like especially you, Abe, you started doing new stuff that you <laughs> never thought you'd do, and I think that that I mean that that that's pretty common. And also, I'm wondering more in general, like how how has your kind of how have your habits changed, or have they changed, or how like is there anything more, you know? I mean, also. Like with isolation, but also like with all with the new men, it's like wearing masks or how to socialize or like how how to adopt like how to bring in these new like regulations, how to bring them into your life and like create new create new living, create new space like your everyday habits or your relationships and um, I think it also connects to like. Another question with like staying connected and like I mean, you know, we've talked about home and like creating relationships where you are, but like that's not as easy anymore right now too. So like, how how do we put that into a new form? How do we like put this into like more I don't know more virtual spaces or like how do we still how do we still like have community either. like in locally or globally or you know we all have relationships all over the world now so how does that fit into that picture too i think there's been many upsides and downsides of everything that's happening and 
it's kind of nice seeing different perspectives. I know that I started out hating Zoom and the lack of connection that you feel. But then there's also this aspect where if I'm not enjoying a class, I just turn off my video and just like, I just go do my own thing. And uh, that's all. That's convenient. And I couldn't just walk out of a class that I wasn't enjoying at Earlham and just, uh, that's nice. Wearing masks has been, uh, again, it's, it's happening. And I, th there's just subtle things that I've noticed, started noticing how, like when I see someone wearing a mask and then I try to imagine what the person's face would look like and then they take off their mask and it's not, not at all what you thought it would be. <laughs> or sometimes I just find myself uh, judging a person who's walking down the street not wearing a mask or... But then there are times when I get to campus and, and then I'm like, oh my God, I forgot to bring my mask. And so it also realizing that yeah like you make mistakes and maybe the other person that i was just, just judging for not wearing a mask could have forgotten the mask but yeah there's many things happening yeah with the pandemic i think uh i'm more like conscious about cleanliness around myself as well as like within me as well, you know, like, general cleanliness. And I'm not saying that I was 30 before, but, like, you know, it's like you're more aware of, like, you know, things around you. And in terms of masks, like, right now, sometimes it feels like if I'm not wearing mask, I feel different. It's like wearing mask feels like second nature. And then it's like, especially if you're going out and uh, people here spe uh, in Massachusetts especially are, like, pretty adherent to like following the rules in terms of like wearing masks so it's just it's just become normalized i guess especially in the past couple of months as people have seen the effect it has on lowering the number of cases uh with the you know with the easing of lockdown as well so i mean in terms of like ha change of habits it's more about like getting used to it i don't think personally like my much of my habits have really changed. Uh, it's just like I'm more aware of like things around me. Um, I've had to like adjust to losing access to like a swimming pool or <laughs> sports in general, like mm -hmm. losing access to facilities and stuff. So kind of figuring out uh, creative ways to do things at home obviously i can't swim in my apartment but <laughs> i can do like a home workout or something but i took i i appreciated the extra time that i had on my hand because of the pandemic and uh, i educated myself like on the immigration policy in germany how do you get a permanent residency something like a green card in the u.s how to sort of just to under to make myself more familiar with immigration here and in, in the long term because that's something that i need to focus on it's the, unlike the us there's a clear path to staying here and being stable um and it's quite uh, manageable i would say if you have a master's degree or a phd the second thing, that, the thing about masks is I kind of appreciate masks in a way that I didn't think of before. 
I mean, obviously no one likes wearing masks, right? Like it's, you're breathing into a cloth um, that doesn't, doesn't necessarily always smell good. It just smells like, I don't know, you're, yeah, you're stuffing yourself. But one thing is sometimes I, I notice I want to wear it if I'm in a neighborhood where I don't want to talk to anyone right now, like if someone recognizes me. So kind of masking yourself and being uh, low-key in an area. It also avoids racial profiling if you, don't, if you feel like you're in an area that could, uh, you could be a target of racial profiling. So I've, I've worn it even in areas outside <laughs> just because I could be whoever I could be without someone seeing me and immediately thinking, this is a Muslim, this is an, immig this is an immigrant, this is an Arab, although I'm sure that racists don't know the difference between Nepali, Indian or Arab. Uh, yeah, but it, it was a good thing for me and I still wear it sometimes outside to, to just uh, hide my identity. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's funny, two things happened um, that showed me that it's crazy, like you wear a mask, but nothing great that has changed. And what I mean by this is that people that know you could still recognize you. And I have two short stories to share about this. One of them was when I first moved to the new city, Bochum, and I met my two new flatmates, but I didn't meet the girl that used to live in the room that I took. And one day I'm in the city, I went to sign my new job contract. I'm just standing by my bike at this point and I'm wearing my mask. And I'm thinking of going to Dortmund. So I'm just looking up the train information. And then someone comes up to me and they're like, and I'm wearing these headphones, so I'm listening to music and everything. So someone comes up to me and I'm like thinking, oh, who's bugging me right now? And then I look up and it's the girl that I only talk to on video chat. And she's like, Karim, is it you? And I'm like, how did you recognize me? I'm wearing a mask like, and my mask is huge. So it covers like from here to all the way here. And I'm like, how did you know me? I think it's my glasses that gave it away, but it, it's crazy. I, I still met a person that I never met in real life before. And she recognized me, although I'm wearing a mask. And the second time was yesterday. I went to a restaurant to order and I'm ordering and I'm like, I think I know this guy that works here. I think he participated in my previous job, like at, at a study that we were conducting, but I forgot his name. So I'm just going to keep wearing my mask and not ask him about his name. And after I finish ordering, he's like, can you take off your mask? And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> like he knows who I am. And I take it off and he's like, I think I know you. And I'm like, I think I know you too, but I just can't remember your name. And he's like, did you work there? Like, and I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's how I know you. And he told me his name and I'm like, how did you know me? Is it my voice? And he's like, no, I mean, you could still see like these features. So it's, it's you can still uh, tell a person about. So it did bring up like mm -hmm. funny interactions with people that I didn't necessarily know, like just bumped into them once or just video chatted with them. So I, I do have a, like a funny, I don't know, it's funny experiences with, uh, with wearing masks in general. Mm -hmm. You can talk to yourself and they can't tell. I do it in the grocery yeah, store. Yeah. <laughs> I do it in the grocery store. I repeat grocery rhymes and I say something. 
to them and they can't hear me and they can't tell that I'm talking, but I'm having fun. And if, they hear, and if they hear you and someone runs into you, into you, they might not necessarily know, okay, this is Lynn Knight. What is she doing? Like, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> you can go undercover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A question I have, there's so much political unrest going on in the United States and over the world. Do you see it as value that you're an international and you can, you have a different perspective that maybe some of us don't have because you're international with all the things that are particularly in the United States going on with the election coming up. Does it help being an international, do you think? And if it does, is there anything that you could do to help people get a different perspective than the one that they currently hold? I think there's, I have here, I have met so many ignorant people. Part of the reason why it feels so starkly different from Erlem. I mean, you could meet someone ignorant at Erlem also, but people would be willing to have a conversation. And even if they're not willing, there'd something be more compatible about it. But here it just somehow feels like people just don't get it. In my, in my training as a graduate assistant, there were five students and my I was the only non-native English speaker. And my professor kept saying, a non-native speaker will not under, a non-native English speaker will not understand this. He kept saying, and then by the end of the training, on the last day of the training, he was like, uh, non-native English speakers cheat a lot. He straight up said that. And <clears throat> I was like, D do you mean like proficient English speakers or like, I am a non-native speaker and I understood what you were saying and I'm sure many people do. And he's like, no, I meant non-native speaker. I'm like, you have a PhD in math and you are this very educated, supposedly educated person. And this is the, this is what you think about things. And there's been so many instances where I just feel like despite all everything that people have learned somehow they are so rigid in their understanding of the world and how it works and it's so narrow someone uh, yesterday i was playing dnd with some people i just started playing dungeons and dragons i don't know why but someone there was one character in the game and someone said uh Abhe would be a good example of a Middle Eastern person. This is how this character will look. Like, what? Like, it, it's just weird things that I don't even know how to confront people about and on. And even if I do, my difference in perspective somehow just doesn't get across to them because I don't want to just be like, you are stupid and you are beyond me. I don't want to say that. And in the simple terms that I try to explain to them, there's something which doesn't want to move inside them, that doesn't want to understand somehow, which, again, it's very complicated. Yeah. So I don't know how being an international student and offering my perspective is helping anyone in this case. Thank you. I think, yeah, as international students, especially like given the current situation around the world, I, especially in the U.S., I think you kind of 
the relation you have with the situation is more like more practical as in like you've come through this path in at certain times in your life so that you're like uh, kind of like understanding the situation better what's going on and what people are going through and the community i'm right now is definitely more inclusive than uh the indiana community i would say beside taking earlham out of that context but yeah like you know and also like the people I find who differ in opinions to what I like think it's about, I think starting dialogue and kind of having them think about my perspective, but it also depends like at what level you can get across to them because some people are so like Obey said, so rigid in in their thoughts. They're not like flexible in terms of like, if they're willing to change their opinion based just on this random guy who's like teaching me something. Right. And non-native speaker, especially, (laughs) a non-native speaker wouldn't know like that kind of thing so you know it's just yeah it's 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 a very difficult situation to like comprehend i guess yeah um i mean it's an interesting question that i've been thinking about actually because unlike erlam here in europe i mean i i think a lot of okay just to give some background i think a lot of people in my age tend to lean uh, tend to be liberal in general. So what I mean by this, they would never be homophobic or even if they are, they would be afraid to present this idea. This is just an example. Um, so I think everyone tends to be liberal, but I think with, I think YouTube as a platform in general tends to skew more right-wing and there's a lot of echo chambers that exist there that people listen to certain podcasts and certain ideas and these podcasts spread misinformation and then they start repeating these ideas without actually double checking what they're hearing. So this is a way that people my age have been going from their naturally liberal leaning tendencies to more conservative talking points that are dangerous because you start with Uh, Well, you know, a lot of immigrants are violent. They start with this. Then they Mm -hmm. go to, we should ban all immigration. Then they go to immigrants that are here should be thrown away and like treated violently because they broke the law. Then it moves to like more like dangerous forms. And I think a lot of people um, are unaware of how, like you're not born this evil like being that like, that, that you have right-wing thoughts and that's it and you move on. It's, it's, it's gradual. So what I've been trying to do whenever I move to a new place is as soon as I hear something, I would try to ask this person more questions because I noticed that they're just like speaking without thinking about what they're saying. They're, they, they have certain feelings about, for example, migrants moving to Germany and they believe that Islam is taking over Europe and the United States and that there's a global conspiracy, for example. But they've never actually talked to a Muslim before. And, and you, you notice that a lot of these thoughts are, exist in echo chambers and bubbles. And I think that my simple just questioning, like, I'm like, can you just tell me a little bit about what you mean? And as soon as they start telling me more, I notice that they don't know anything and that they're repeating a line that they heard on a on Joe Rogan podcast or on 
from uh, the intellectual that everybody loves, Jordan Peterson, that I think, yeah, that I think knows nothing. I mean, he's yep. calling for like women to be in the kitchen, to be in more natural roles. But at the same time, he's protesting how women in court uh, like have the right to keep their children after divorce. It's like, okay, are you saying women are better at up upbringing? Or are you saying they should just be in the kitchen because that's what they know to do? Like pick a side at least. But so I think sometimes I, the more I question people, they, they see the contradictions in the beliefs that they have. And then I can push them to read a book. I mean, that's the maximum that I can yeah. do because I can't explain like history to them. I'm not a, I'm not a history teacher. And if so, you shouldn't take someone's word at face value. I feel like you should try to verify information and read from good sources, not like conservativewing.com like shouldn't be your source or like liberalwing.com yeah. like just like just like verify your information before you open your mouth I feel like this is my approach to people but I go at it in a very polite way just to remind them that I am not what they think I am I think a lot of people as soon as they meet me they feel very comfortable and they start like literally vomiting all their right-wing views on me as if I would agree with them. But then I would, as soon as I ask a question, they realize that they're not in their echo chamber anymore. And then I feel like they're pushed, you kind of burst the bubble then, and they're pushed to review what they're going through. And I think that's the role that we could have as international students. But like I said, we shouldn't put too much pressure on ourselves to like be educating people unless mm -hmm. this is a friend of yours that you think they're worth investing your time and energy in. But I got advice from mm -hmm. one of my friends actually just a week ago. He's like, if someone's in your circle and they keep saying stuff that is just stupid and offensive all the time, maybe it's time to distance yourself from someone like this because they're not worth the energy. And it's, it's, it's a very simple idea. It shouldn't like, I don't know, shouldn't uh, make someone feel hurt or anything. It's just like your views are weird and of offensive and kind of racist. I don't want to be friends with you because you're exhausting. Very simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I think we're like at one and a half hours now, so we're getting close to the end. But if anybody else wants to say anything or has any questions. Um, I wanted to ask uh, Lynn, actually, how are you handling the pandemic? Yeah. And how has your transi transition been since you left Erlem? Um, where do you live? I, I feel like I don't know a lot about <laughs> your yeah. post Erlum life. If you don't mind sharing. No, that's fine. Um, I had, I was just beginning to develop a new community after I retired when the pandemic hit. Um, because working at, in the job that I had at Erlum, it was many cases, seven days a week there was always something related to the job. So that whole time, so I found myself without a community, um, much like what you are all are saying when you graduate. 
And so I was just beginning to develop a community. And talking about swimming, we were doing water aerobics and they shut down the wellness center and I can't go. Um, So the country club here in Richmond allowed us this summer to do it free. So now that's over because the last day we went, it was like 50 degrees. It was so cold. But I found this project. I'm doing that. I do exercise every day. I'm in a hiking club. I do yoga online. I've got an interval training Zoom thing I do online. Um, I do weeding at the Rose Garden. I have a little, at the Rose Garden in Richmond at the Parks Department, there's beds and there was a couple that they got sick and they couldn't do their bed. And I went, okay, I can help. I do that. Um, I'm an administrator for a Facebook group page. It's Richmond Response and Resource for COVID-19. We started it back in March and we share substantiated um, information about resources in dealing with COVID, whether it's where you can get help with rent, utilities, masks. We um, We were the ones that helped coordinate the mask distribution in Wayne County distributed over 300,000 masks in Wayne County, Um, information about where you can get free food when the food pantries are open. So doing that, um, I was looking to downsize in living. I'm still in Richmond right now. And once the pandemic hit, I got scared to even go look at houses. So trying to decide whether to stay here or move someplace else. we do a lot of outdoor things. We're doing more outdoor concerts here in Richmond. And so that's been fun to do. Now that it's getting colder, that makes me a bit nervous of what I'm going to be able to do. So that's pretty much how I've been spending my time downsizing, getting rid of things in our home. I had 23 flower beds talking about gardening. Um, we have a half acre lot and I've been taking out the flower beds so that the next person that buys our home can just get on a riding lawnmower and just zoom back and forth and mow the yard. So doing a lot of reading, um, taking up knitting and crocheting again, making little blanket things for the animal shelter here in town for the, I guess the kittens need little blanket things. So helping out with that. And I make, I call them second baby Afghans. It's when you have your first baby, everybody is doing all these baby showers and gifts. And when you have your second, third, or whatever baby, nobody really does anything. So I make up these crocheted, big, fluffy baby blankets. And if I hear someone that's having a second or third baby, then I just, I don't even have to know them. They just get them. So that's, and I have to be busy. I, I don't yeah well like you've been keeping very busy yeah. <laughs> the list of things you said like are you at least like, um, am I <laughs> yeah yes Lynn always replied to my messages at 3 a.m yeah. <laughs> I'd get messages at 2 45 a.m yeah your 3 a.m friend <laughs> But yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not surprised, like, very honestly, like, you've been keeping yourself so busy, just knowing you from the time at Earlham as well. Yeah, I'm waiting for the pandemic to end so I can travel. I have money put aside just for that. So I I don't even, I won't touch that money. I will be traveling.
than we could be doing mm -hmm. these interviews like in person. You better. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I just, uh, I guess, want to say thank you. I um, really appreciate all of you being here and sharing. And I think this is, I mean, going to like Lynn's question of how how international students can contribute, I guess, is like, you know, we always talk about how this is such a, like, it's a, it's a great way of like sharing experiences because it's also, I mean, as all of you have shared, like you can't, I mean, you can't really, a lot of times like people can be very stuck in, in their bubbles, but um, this is like out there. So <laughs> if anybody is interested in like hearing actual stories from people and like what it's like, and this, this can be very valuable. And also I thought it was kind of interesting. You know, I think like Lynn, Lynn with her questions, like sometimes remind reminds me or reminds guests too of like, yes, like there is a difference, you know, it's like, I mean, we're so also like talking to each other, international students, we all have like, I mean, it's like, we're all so used to it. And like, we have those experiences. And then like Lynn, Lynn's questions kind of are like, oh yeah, it's actually domestic students have a different experience. <laughs> like That's true. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I think this is really valuable for everyone. And for me, for, for sure, I like I always appreciate these conversations and hearing and it was really great to hear from all of you. And yeah. Yeah, thank you for having us. Happy to be here. Yeah, this is yeah. really fun. Likewise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you all so much for taking time out. This is a big chunk of time and it's greatly appreciated. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I hope you, you all have you. a nice Sunday. Yeah. Thank you again. Okay. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to episode 10 of Interlocking Threads. It was great to hear from Abe, Sojun and Karim and gather some insights into how this year and their transitions after college were like. Tune in again for our next episode where we talk to Malvika Dua from India, Srija Banerjee from India and Sitash Matapa from Nepal. And before we go, we want to give a quick disclaimer. This is an interpersonal chat cast. Any opinions expressed in these conversations are personal and through signed consent belong solely to this project. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of people, institutions or organizations that the owner may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity. Any views or opinions expressed are not intended to malign or slander any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual or state.